Son of God, He is near. He chose to walk with us these tribal trails. Thanks for tuning in to Tribal Trails again. In another program, Verla Chatzis talked about her life's journey with God. Today, she tells us more about how she dealt with health challenges with her cancer. Your family has had a long line of trouble with cancer, and, and that came to affect you. And, and can you tell us a bit how Jesus helped you through that and what he taught you through that? Mm-hmm. So um, my Auntie Linda was 30 years old when she died of breast cancer. So um, because she was so young, the doctor didn't believe that she the lump that she had found could be cancer because she was like 29 or 28, I think, oh, when they wow. found the lump. So very young. Yeah. So she died at 30. And after she wow. died, uh, my her daughter Sandra came to live with us and we adopted her. And... Uh, you know, we didn't think too much. I guess it was it was really a devastating moment for our family, but, you know, life went on. And then my mom was about in her mid-40s, I think about 45, when she got breast cancer too. But fortunately, they caught it early enough. She, you know, she had to undergo the radical mastectomy at the time and um, I think chemotherapy and she was fine. She survived and she lived. So it was uh, years later, perhaps in the, I'm going to say in the early 2000s, they started doing genetic testing. And they had found that there were these genes that were uh, genetic mutations that were associated with breast cancer. And they tested our family. So they tested my mom and her sisters. And they found that she was a carrier of this gene, which is called Mm. BRCA1. But I'll just, um, and what, Having that mutation means is that you're a higher, much higher risk of getting breast cancer in your life as well as ovarian cancer. And um, so when I found out about this, I just thought, well, I probably have that gene too, so I'm going to, you know, take care of myself the best that I can. So me and my sisters, we really had to sort of coax our doctors to start giving us mammograms at an early age. At that time, they didn't want to, but because we were considered high risk, they, they started to do that. So my sister, Deborah, who's a few years younger than me, she was 37, I think, when she found out that she had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty young. You know, she... Yeah. And... Um, I uh, had gone to be with her. She was living in Ottawa at the time. I'd gone to be with her when she started her treatment. And so she had chemotherapy and uh, a type of radiation. And eventually she ended up, she was in her job. She was uh, moving to Switzerland. So this was happened while she was moving there. And so she started her treatment on Ottawa and actually finished her treatment in Geneva. And so she went to Geneva and I thought it'd be a great idea to spend Christmas with her there. So I went to visit her. And I came back home and I found a lump on my breast. And I like, oh, there's a lump here and it's kind of big. At that time, it was probably about the size of a grape. Hmm. And this is when I 
went into denial. I thought, oh, I think I'm just going to leave it because it'll probably go away, which, you mm -hmm. know, usually doesn't happen with things that you ignored. ignored. They usually <laughs> don't go away. But right. uh, I thought, yeah, right. I'll, I'll do that. And I just wasn't going to deal with it. And that's when God intervened and the cancer, not sorry, not the cancer clinic, the uh, breast screening clinic called me to come in for an appointment. And they'd never done that with me before. Like I've, I'd always had to call and make the appointments, but they called me and said, come in and get your breast checked. So I did. And I was sitting in the waiting room and I was just praying, well, God, if there's something there, you know, let them find it. Let mm -hmm. them find out what's there. So they... Um, of course, I went to see the doctor, and she asked me if there's anything new. So I told her about the lump, and she did her exam, and then she sat down and said, yes, there's something there. And so then I had a, a biopsy right away, and then I had to wait. Oh, and yeah. so, and I, at that time, I was pretty young, and I didn't know how to take care of myself, so I just went back to work right after this biopsy, you know, and I'm just... A little bit freaked out, but I just went back to work and tried not to think about it. And I thought, well, I'm not going to tell anyone about this because, you know, could be nothing, probably nothing. And my friend Beth convinced me that, no, you have to tell your parents. And I really didn't want to tell them because I didn't want to worry them. But I did. And my mom, of course, you know, hung up quickly because she had started to cry. And my dad, he was pretty, he was pretty quiet, but, you know, he was, he just listened. And... And I was very thankful that they actually came to be with me in Edmonton when I when I found out the news. Oh, yeah. So by this time, even though my parents had split up, they were still really good. They were really good friends. And so we would spend holidays together as a family, which was uh, a really, it was a blessing. So they came and uh, I found out. And yes, of course, it was cancer. So I, I think it was in March I had to have surgery. And at that time they did a lumpectomy. I'll just tell you all these technical <laughs> terms, but they just take the tumor and the surrounding tissue and they save the breast because that's what I wanted. Because I had made that decision years ago. If I ever have breast cancer, I'm just going to have a lumpectomy. So I had a lumpectomy and <laughs> then I had to have, uh, I would have to have chemo because I had the lumpectomy and radiation. So after the diagnosis, my surgeon knew my family history, and she decided to send me for an, an abdominal ultrasound, which I thought was like, why are you doing this? Like, I don't have any symptoms. And, but she knew the family history. She knew the risk with having that mutation. And by this time, we just assumed that I had that BRCA1 mutation. So I went for an ultrasound, and they found something on my ovary. Oh, no. Yeah, so I went to the cancer clinic and I saw the doctor, this oncologist, and she seemed a little bit gruff, but she was, um, she was a good, very good doctor. And she was really worried that I was there by myself. She kept asking me, are you sure you don't want anyone with you? I'm like, no, why? There's just something on my ovary. I thought it was a cyst because, you know, it's, ovarian cysts are kind of common. My sister had had one, not a big deal. So then she was talking to me and saying, you know, I ordinarily don't see people because they have something on their ovary, but because of your family history, you know, we have to assume that it might be ovarian cancer. And if it's ovarian cancer, that means that we're going to have to do a total hysterectomy and remove everything. And I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> I man. was... Uh, 
I was very, I was shocked because to me it was oh, just yeah. some ovarian cyst. And we had a little bit of a, of a tussle, her and I, because she <laughs> said, I said, well, what if it's not cancer? What if it's just a cyst? Can you spare the other ovary? Because, you know, I, there's a chance, you know, I could still have kids because I was 39 at the time or just turning 39. And she said, well, the chance of you getting married and having kids in the next two years is pretty small. <laughs> the next few years, I said, well, it could happen. <laughs> um, anyways, turns out she was right. But uh, so I went for the biopsy and how they had to do it. And I think how they still had to do it is they, they take the tissue out of the ovary. You're, sort, you're on the table. They take the tissue out. They go examine it. And if it's not cancer, then they just kind of quickly sew you up. And if it is cancer, then they, they have to take out lymph nodes and stuff. So I went to the OR. And when I woke up, I asked the time. And it was like, I don't know, like six hours after I oh, first wow. got in. So I knew that it was cancer. And of course... Uh, the doctor came and said, yes, it was cancer. And so I had a complete hysterectomy. Oh, no. And um, <clears throat> they, you know, they, they take out everything. And uh, I just really felt it was important that I praise God at that time. And so I said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And mm. it was, that was truly a God thing because I didn't have it in myself to say that. But I wanted my parents to know that I still trusted God through this. But I, it was a word to myself as well, because it's actually from the book of Job. Right. And Job is a story about a man who undergoes a lot of suffering and argues with God about it. And that was really what I was about to embark on, is a, a lot of suffering. I was going to suffer and I was going to argue with God about it. Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Okay, so when you said that verse to yourself, that's kind of like a statement of faith that you, you might not have even felt, but you were declaring God's greatness anyway. That's right. I wanted, yes, it was a statement of faith, and I realize that now, because you have to choose to believe God at times when it, things are falling around you. And one of the things before, before I had the hysterectomy is I had, uh, I guess, a couple prayer groups, but I had a, a friends, close friends who really supported me during this. And uh, we had met for prayer one time, and I went for a walk. And as I was walking, I was in, I can remember this, in Mill Creek Ravine in Edmonton, very clearly that Jesus was walking with me, just very tangibly. I could feel his presence. He was walking with me. He wasn't saying anything. He was just walking with me, and he was comforting me. And that was really, um, I guess, sort of the beginning of a deeper walk with God, understanding that Jesus, you know, in Psalm 23, it says that he, will walk, he walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And that is what he was doing. He was walking with me through that. And one of the things, he did prepare me, even for the hysterectomy, because before that, while, while we had been praying, I just felt that like Abraham offered Isaac, I had to offer 
surrender to him, rather, all my desire for family and for marriage. And even though I was, you know, in my late 30s, that was something I was still hoping for. So I did. I just like, Lord, I just give this to you and you just take it. And this was something I had to surrender to him again and again. So after the surgery, you know, it became very real. I'm not going to have children. And so I had to grieve that. I had to oh, process sure. that. And so after, of course, the hysterectomy, I had to have chemo. And uh, I was the first patient that they'd had at the cancer center that had to be treated for breast and ovarian cancer at the same time. Oh, wow. So they gave me this lovely little cocktail of drugs, which worked. You know, I the cancer disappeared. It didn't come back, but I was very sick. So I call it the world's worst diet because I lost like about 50 pounds in about six months, I oh, think. Wow. So it, it was a difficult time. But uh, at the end of it, uh, I was, I think I might have been done radiation. I was at a funeral for uh, and uh, for a cousin's wife who had just died of breast cancer, um, not a family member, it was a, an in-law, but uh, my sister Sandra, who was about 36 at the time, told me, you know, I, I just found a lump in my breast. And I'm like, no. Oh, no. Yeah, and it was also uh, oh. breast cancer. So that within the space of about two years, uh, me and my sisters had, had breast cancer. So it was a very difficult time, but, and I think particularly for my parents, but for me, the really difficult time began um, a couple of years later. So in 2002, they found another tumor in the other breast. Oh. It was very tiny though, but uh, they, I still had to have radiation. I didn't need to have chemotherapy, so I just had radiation. But before I could start that, uh, my father had a stroke and died. Oh. And so we were, you know, that was, that oh, was dreadful. Grief upon grief. It's grief upon grief. And then even while, um, just prior to that, my mom was telling me that uh, she was a social worker, and I think she was working at Sturgeon Lake at the time. And she said that her stomach hurt, her, her belly hurt when she would go drive over rough reserve roads, you know, on, when her truck, her belly would hurt after, you know, if she hit a pothole. So I knew what that meant. And, uh, and so what it meant was that she had uh, ovarian cancer because that's often how it presents. And so she went to see her doctor and of course they did diagnose it. So my mom was also undergoing, you know, treatment after all of this. So her daughter's had breast cancer, and now she's getting treatment for ovarian cancer. And then my father died. And then about, I think, 14 months later, my mother did eventually succumb. I've seen hard times, and I have been told It isn't any wonder that I fall Why do we suffer Crossing of the years There must be a reason For it all I trusted in you, Jesus To save me from my sins Heaven is the place I call my home 
But I keep on getting caught up In this world I'm living in And your voice it sometimes fades before I know Hurting brings my heart to you Crying with my need Depending on your love to carry me The love that shed his blood For all the world to see This must be the reason for it all my heart to you a fortress in the storm when what I've wrapped my heart around is gone I give my heart so easily to the ruler of this world when the one who loves me most <laughs> he'd give me all All the things that cause me pain Lord, give me eyes to see You see, I do believe But Lord, just help my unbelief I've seen hard times And I have been told There is a reason But the good news in this is that my mother had returned to the Lord. Oh. She had uh, converted to Catholicism when, when I was about nine years old so that she, they could, my parents could be married in the church and we could be baptized into the Catholic Church. And she told me that when she converted to Catholicism, that she you know, converted to Christ, and she said she just loved Jesus and just wanted to do things for him. So when she got sick, she returned to the Lord. She was reading her Bible. She was mm -hmm. reading the Psalms. And so the night be when, before she died, she told my cousin Brenda, she said, I'm just praying, you know, I pray to the Lord that he would take me because I, I'm tired of this. And she did. He took her that night, so she passed away. So even though she passed away, you know, I had peace about her death because I knew that I will see her again. Yeah. But it was a very difficult time because uh, I realized that having cancer, you know, it's, it, it was tough, but losing your parents is really hard. And so it was a lot of things to grieve in a very short period of time. Why, that's for sure. And so I... Um, I kind of shut down the grieving in a way. I'm just like, nope, you know, I'm sort of done feeling these feelings. And I was having sort of a, a big tussle with God. I was, I was angry. Like I was, you know, I, like Job, I justified myself. You know, I've lived a good life. What did I do to deserve this, you know? And it really revealed that uh, my 
I guess, bad theology, if you want to call it, or beliefs that are, are not biblical. And what it did is it revealed all this, this, these times of trials, revealed about untruths that I had about God. So I sort of thought that, you know, if God really loved us, we would have this giant bubble wrap and nothing <laughs> bad would ever happen to us. But when you read the scriptures, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. He told us that we would undergo trials and persecution and all these things, but he had overcome it. But I had to wrestle with God through that. And where I had to turn to was, of course, the Bible, because that is what has to be our foundation of of who we are and who God is. And that is the truth that is our source of truth. And so I came to realize that God is a good God. You know, he is a father of lights in whom there's no shadow of turning. He gives us good gifts. So God is good. And if he is good, he is good all the time. So that means that even though my circumstances are bad, it doesn't matter because God is good. Mm. And I can say that now, but that took me a long time. To, to go through that. And so I, it's, a, it's a hard way to learn lessons, you know, by being angry. And uh, it's a terrible way, actually, because when we're angry and allow bitterness to come in, then we kind of cut ourselves off from, you know, feeling God's love. So because I was bitter, it, I had a hard time sensing his love. And so it wasn't until I repented of that, repented of my bitterness, and just surrendered everything again to the Lord that I was able to, you know, sense His love again. But His love had been there all the time. Yeah. His love, that it hadn't left me because He will never leave us nor forsake us. And it was a difficult uh, lesson. So before, right at the beginning, after I'd been... Uh, diagnosed with breast cancer and before I found out I had ovarian cancer, one of my friends gave me this scripture from Habakkuk. And it says, So the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hinds feet and made me walk on my high places. So when I first thought about it, I read that and she told me that, I thought, well, you know, that's not a very comforting verse at all. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to go through any more bad things. But in the end, that is what uh, God was using the trials to do was to show me that even though everything in my life failed, even though uh, my hopes had failed, even though my ambitions had failed, even though my parents were were gone, that I could still count on that he would never leave me, he would never forsake me, that uh, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that he will give us those hinds feet. He will give us the strength to ascend those mountains that we have to come through. So we can say, you know, with joy that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because when we are weak, he is strong. We can depend on him to just help us through no matter what. So it was a 
a lengthy process and it was a long process, but in the end, I, I can say without a doubt that God is good all the time. Yeah, because it's really easy to look at our circumstances and then when they're bad, to put that on God and say, that's him. He made mm-hmm. them. He must be bad because the circumstances are bad. Instead of looking at God first and then deciding by the character of God how to interpret our circumstances. Yeah, Jesus said, he said, I am the good shepherd. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He promised that out to us, an abundant life. So we know that he's not the one that destroys. We know that there's sin in the world and that there's the evil one and he causes destruction. But, you know, the Lord came to redeem us from all that. He came to redeem us from um, just the power of sin in our lives. And he also came to redeem the, the horrible things in our lives and use it for his glory. Like, he's, uh, yeah, he's a good God. Life is tough, and it often seems to be unfair and overwhelming. It's okay to cry out to God and even throw our hurts and complaints at Him. He knows our hurts, and we sometimes need to wrestle with God so that we can realize that God is with us. He is in our deepest sorrows. He cares and He understands. He went through all of this Himself when He was on the earth and suffered and died on the cross for our sins. Even when we experience great suffering here on earth, we can know this is not the end. When we are with Jesus, it is well. Everything will fall into place, as it tells us in Revelations 21, verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. If you want to talk with someone about what's going on in your life, call us. We'd love to hear from you and pray with you. Everyone has lost some day in love Long before it was their time You feel like the days you had were not enough When you said goodbye All other people, burdens and pains Keeping you back from your life You believe that there's nothing There is no one who can make it right There is hope for the helpless And rest for the weary And love for the broken hearts there is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing. He'll meet you wherever you are. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. When you're lonely and it feels like the whole world is falling on you, just reach out. Cry to Jesus To the widow who suffers Being alone Wiping tears from her eyes 
Where the children run the world without a home, say a prayer tonight. There is hope for the helpless and rest for the weary and love for the broken hearts. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing that meets you wherever you are. There is hope for the helpless and rest for the weary and love for the broken hearts. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing that meets you wherever you are. Cry out to Jesus.